Welcome to the Media Camp Magazine podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Pigger, editor at the magazine. Uh, and uh, our theme this month uh, in June is the the simple life. Uh, has COVID, uh, well, has the uh, pandemic forced us to discover joy and simplicity and um, perhaps rediscover our sense of self? To discuss this uh, and, and kind of other things, I was going to have two guests, Victoria Gersman, uh, President Americas at Canopy Insight, uh, and uh, Kate griffin Glaystein, uh, Director of uh, Media at uh, PDC Brands. But Victoria's gone off to have a baby, so she's uh, sort of <laughs> left, left Kate holding down the fort. So um, Kate's going to have to do all the heavy lifting of this discussion. Um, but welcome, Kate. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I thought I'd do that intro because this is kind of how we met is through Victoria and uh, yeah. Victoria and I were sort of planning a few podcasts and then she was suddenly like, actually, um, the baby's here. Bye. Um, yeah, so, they can be a little bit unpredictive, those babies. So Damn babies, <laughs> honestly. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm guessing I will pick up with her in perhaps a number of months time. <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, the general sort of theme of this chat was perhaps going to be kind of careers and sort of reflecting on things and uh and that sort of stuff so I was originally going to talk about how you guys both met and how you saw your careers going you know did you have a plan and you know juggling motherhood and careers and things like that um yeah because Victoria was about to be be a mother and, and you you are one so uh obviously for now we'll just we'll just focus on on, on you and, and your your sort of career journey um, so I, I guess to start with, you know, can you tell me what PDC brands do and what your role is at the company? Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think also, um, I mean, one thing I would say for Victoria's sake is she, it was great connecting with her for the podcast. And I'm, I'm really happy she introduced us. Um, she and I actually met at the very beginning of our careers, so the, our first roles and, um, you know, kind of went in different directions, always staying in touch as friends and, um, it was really great just reconnecting with her actually pre-pandemic in my last role. Um, and our, our careers kind of brought us together and um, we were trying to to launch something together, trying to figure out a way to work with one another in our, our respective companies. And then the pandemic happened. Um, and then again, we are connected. So it's, it's all continues to come for full circle. And I think um, that that's a great thing with people that you really connect with in this industry. Um, but yes, my my role now um, working at PDC, um, it's a venture capital owned wellness and beauty company. So we own a number of um, consumer product goods uh, that you can buy pretty much anywhere from a, a, a beauty and health and wellness standpoint. Um, and so my role has been pretty new with the company as a smaller company. Uh, they wanted to focus more on media uh, and their marketing strategy. So I'm the director of media there. I work across the brands uh, with our media agencies and um, help put together uh, strategic media plans. Sounds good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you also mentioned, I think, um, in the past, sort of talking about wellness, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more broadly, but I kind of wanted to go back slightly first. Um, so looking through your career, you've been at Mediacom and uh, PhD in Digitas, um, and then mm-hmm. four, year, four years or so at Spotify? Um, yeah, almost five years, yeah. Five years, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I wanted to ask, was that how you sort of saw your career going and, and then kind of why the change? Because I guess Spotify was probably quite different, you mm-hmm. know, to, to agency land. Um, you know, what sort of adjustments did you make? How did, you, what differences did you find yeah, I think um, there was a lot of differences in the in the role in some ways. So going from 
spending a number of years um, at on the agency side, I, I was able to get a lot of, I think, knowledge and understanding of media channels, how the media industry works. Um, and I think the the one thing I was really craving was to understand how brands operate and the decisions that brands make from a marketing standpoint. I think usually when you're on the agency side, you're a little bit down funnel from those decisions. You're you're in execution mode um, and you're you're kind of at the whim of your client. Um, so when I was on the agency side and just kind of getting curious at some of the decisions that were being made, I was like, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know, you know, kind of questioning some of it. Um, I really started focusing on the brand side. And so I actually did an externship at American Express uh, for a little over a year. That was one of our clients at Digitas at the time. Um, And that helped me really get closer to those business decisions and and goals and how that connects to marketing decisions and and media plans ultimately. Um, And then I ended up finding a role at Spotify. um, And that was, I think, a little bit culturally similar to agency life. It's a tech company. It's a music company. Um, you you sort of attract similar talent in terms of people who are both very career focused, very passionate, and also uh, a little on the a little younger. Uh, I think the average age of the company was probably under thirty when I started working there. And you have a little bit more freedom in some ways. Um, your wardrobe is definitely different than most companies. Uh, but it was, I think, ultimately a, a similar move to the agency side and you had a very similar energy in the building. Do you think that um, Spotify is kind of, uh, I guess they've been around for quite a few years now, but I wondered if it, you said, you know, the average age is sort of under 30. Does, does it sort of mm-hmm. still, did it? I don't know, does it still feel like almost like a startup or kind of, um, you know, a bit, a bit of sort of the Wild West, really? Um, I guess in some ways, uh, you know, agencies obviously sit in that kind of creative marketing space. But I just, you know, they've been around longer and they often have more established ways of doing things. And I kind of wonder if, you know, is ever, everyone charging around at Spotify on trolleys or I don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> Scooters or something. Yeah. Um, no, we. I. I would actually say when I start, I was actually there for a very expansive growth period at the company. So I was able to witness the company grow really quickly and both hold on to its identity and adapt to um, what its its new expectations as a, a public company. So the the company went public actually about a year after I started. And you did have that kind of startup feel change to, okay, we're now a big brand. We now have to take ourselves more seriously. Everyone else is taking us more seriously. So you felt you felt that shift in the company culture a little bit, which I don't I think was a good thing. I think it's it's always um a positive to see everybody kind of realize what they were working towards is now becoming successful. It's now you're, you're kind of getting closer and closer to your goal, um, for the company as a whole. And so I think there was a a bit of a change there. And I would say as that relates to agencies, you know, working at different larger holding companies and some of the smaller agencies, you have both that I'd say need from an agency standpoint and a tech company standpoint to be 
nimble. And that's always something companies say is, oh, we're very like flexible and we, you know, we're fast and all the, a lot of those kind of buzzwords when you start, but it really is important, I think, in the media industry and the tech industry to be both flexible and adaptive to what's happening in the environment, but also um, holds on to some of those values that are really important to well-established companies for the for long-term success. I mean, there's there's reasons why companies like American Express have been around forever because they do have the checks and balances in place, but you know, they're they're also very adaptive. I was just thinking to to when you were there, like do, do companies like Spotify, um, you know, who are the companies they the brands they look up to, you know, is it is it brands like Red Bull, for example, that you know started literally just as an energy drink and then they've kind of grown into whatever the hell Red Bull are now, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's brands like that where they've really held on to their brand identity. That was really important, or that is really important on Spotify. Um, I also, there's a, a lot of talent that came from Netflix. So there's, a, a, I think, a obvious comparison with how Netflix started as kind of one service and grew into much more. And Spotify, I think, was, you know, it's always a music service. Now it's an audio service and you know you have to kind of that that's where the adaptability comes into play is you have to both be um a very well recognizable brand but also um you know flexible to what what our consumer needs uh, coming back to um i guess the, the start of this uh, this pod and sort of mentioning the kind of theme we have at the magazine this month you know the the sort of simple life the joy and simplicity and sense of self for a few years, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, your, your role seemed to be in, in New York City. Um, you're now yes. about an hour out um, in, in Stanford, mm-hmm. Connecticut. Um, yes. And I'm curious because I was reading about this. So Stanford kind of ranks, it seems to consistently rank as one of the best places to live in the US. And I kind of wondered, was that, you know, one of these classic changes of I've, I've done my time in the big city um, you know, I want a slower pace of life. Uh, w- at what point did you move there? You know, was it the role or was it the location or how, how did it work mm-hmm. for you kind of career-wise and I guess um, life-wise maybe? Yeah, it, it was definitely not that well calculated, <laughs> but I do, yes, it's it's known as the working city in some places. So it's, it's a very um, commuter-friendly city. I actually live about 30 minutes um, west of Stanford. So uh, closer to New York. And um, it's actually close to where my my husband grew up. And so he and I met in New York City. We lived uh, in Brooklyn for a while. And then um, after we got married, we found out we were pregnant. And um, this was pre-pandemic. This was actually late 2019. Uh, It would always been our plan um, to leave the city and to move out of Brooklyn, even though I think I, had I had the time probably would have left like kicking and screaming because I loved it there so much. I lived there for like 10, 12 years. And, um, but I think at the same time we were like, you know, we really wanted to start a family and raise our, our children, um, outside the city. And, um, we were able to buy a house and then the pandemic happened and we, our offer was accepted and, um, I was pregnant I had preconditions. My husband was an essential worker. So I was actually, uh, told that I had to leave the city by my doctor. She was like, you know what this, this pandemic's happening. It was like March 11th. And, um, she's like, you know, maybe just go stay with your parents somewhere for a couple of weeks, you know, quote unquote, a couple of weeks. So I packed my bag for two weeks. 
um, not really able to fit into a lot of things as a, my belly was growing. And um, six months later, <laughs> my husband and I were reunited um, at the closing of our house. And so I never really got to say goodbye to New York, but you know, it has restarted our life in Westchester. Um, and then actually a couple, about six months after I came back from my maternity leave at Spotify, uh, a recruiter reached out to me and um, just kind of sold me on the opportunity at PDC. And I spoke to our CMO and our VP of marketing. And it just, it seemed like a better fit, like you said, for my life. I wasn't really sure. There's a lot of uncertainty of what was happening with um, sort of the return to work with the pandemic. Was I going to commute three days a week to the financial district again um, from Westchester, which would have been a, over an hour commute each way? Um, so a couple different, like, I think those factors. And then I think there was something really interesting to me about a brand that was seeing a lot of growth, like what Spotify had been seeing when I started in 2017, but was based in more consumer packaged goods. So I think for me as a, a professionally, I was like, you know, I spent a good amount of time in tech. I understand um, the advertising and media landscape really well. I think where I felt like I was lacking was really understanding the CPG landscape. And um, so I think there was a, a little bit of a knowledge gap in wanting to learn um, that also pushed me there. But then at the same time, it just conveniently seemed to make more sense to this kind of new life I was living. I wasn't living in the city and commuting into, you know, my office building in the financial district. And then, you know, getting on a plane every other week to go to California or wherever Spotify was taking me. Um, it was a very different pace of life. And I think this, this fits that for me, um, as well as just like my career aspirations. So it kind of felt like all these things maybe happened at once, because for some of us, you know, there was uh, the pandemic and then, um, you know, working from home uh, kicked in mm -hmm. and uh, the great res resignation for a lot of people of deciding that maybe they don't want to commute into a city anymore or or um, whatever it is. But you have that yes. and motherhood at the same time and then yeah. changing changing jobs practically or within a two, three year period, roughly. Um, it, yeah. I, I've, I've had this before myself and other people have had this where it's like a life reset right? Where you kind of totally. go, I'm going to just change everything and, you know, completely uh, reset everything and, and reposition myself. Um, yeah. I, I was kind of wondering, like, does one of those things win out over the other? Was it sort of, you know, um, like, did, did, did motherhood change your uh, sort of attitudes to work, do you think? Or, or actually, for some people, you know, it's just, it's almost like a to-do list, right? They have the baby and then mm -hmm. they're like straight back to work. Like, it's not that they're you know, this isn't a, a, a sort of um, reflection on being a good or a bad mother, but they're very career driven, whereas others, it kind of changed the focus of how they want to think about work and approach work. And I, I guess mm -hmm. my long winded question is, you know, how did that change for you? Is it, you know, your, your change changing of life? Was it more to do with the pandemic or more to do with motherhood or a bit of both? Yeah, um, I'd say it's a bit of both. I And the funny thing is my my husband also changed jobs. So we do joke that there's nothing in our life lives um, right now that's consistent to 2019. We, it was like, like you said, you just changed everything. And um, the only thing consistent is our dog. So we still have her, thank God. Um, but we, um, I think one, some advice that I got when I was become, when I became a mom and when I was going back to work was to actually try to keep things consistent 
like some people are trying to tell me like, you know, just try to keep some things consistent in your life because it's, everything's going to feel different and you're going to have to readjust so much to the baby. Um, and it, it was actually kind of refreshing to have such a big, um, reset and understand like what is actually because you have this factor in your life becoming a mom that does impact everything. You kind of have to reacclimate and figure out what does work, what what is servicing you. You're a new person. Um, you're approaching work differently. At least I I was approaching work differently. I think because you know you realize how how finite time is <laughs> when you have a child. Um, and how, you know, you, you need to optimize your day, um, differently based on, you know, how tired you might be or, um, you know, how, how much, uh, you need to focus on certain things. So for me, there was a lot of like re-understanding how I'm going to work now in this new role as a mom and having a different timeline throughout my day. So I think that was a big thing. And, um, at some point I did realize that Spotify, and I think it was when I started to hear from recruiters, like it wasn't serving my, my life. My role there wasn't serving my life as a working mom as much as I, I needed it to. And that wasn't, you know, not to no shortcoming of the company. I think they're incredibly, um, they're, they're leading, I'd say a lot of companies in terms of like how they support uh, parenthood, I wouldn't say motherhood, but parenthood um, with parental leave um, and just supporting parents as they come back. But um, I think there was, there was just a realization that I needed to figure out how I was going to, to refocus my life a little bit and my career as a mom. That makes sense. Um, I guess sort of on that, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, I was thinking about the uh, the kind of marketing industry in, in general, like sometimes they uh, lead the way on certain things and other times they lag behind, let's say, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, thinking on sort of, um, you know, parental leave and support there. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you're, you're US-based, um, you know, it's different in the UK, but I was, I was reading a piece the other day, uh, I think it was a piece in The Guardian from 2020, which said the US uh, was uh, the worst of the world's richest countries for maternity leave, um, with, with Sweden yes. I think, being the most family-friendly country. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I guess, you know, is there anything that could be done by the marketing industries or by sort of brands and agencies to kind of uh, shift things in the US? I mean, have you, from your perspective, have you seen things change in recent years or is it sort of still stuck in that regard? Yeah, I think that's a... a an interesting article. Um, I had the benefit of working for a Swedish company when oh. I was <laughs> pregnant, That's handy. Okay. working for a Swedish company in the U S. So I had a very generous parental leave package at Spotify. Um, it was a six month leave parental leave. You could take it in however you wanted to for two years after you had the baby. So especially for, for non-birthing parents, you know, you could kind of divide it up to maybe two months to, to support the, the birthing parent, have them go back to work. Um, and, you know, six months later, take, take the rest of your time, which I think is, it seemed like an ideal situation. My husband, on the other hand, he had one week parental leave. Um, we were able to use vacation time leading up to it to, um, to actually quarant for him to quarantine so that he could be there at the hospital. So we, it was a, just the duality of the parental leave 
and what what is standard in the U.S. was so stark for us. Um, and I think if anything has changed recently, it's the conversation around it. I think with um, the Build Back Better bill that that Biden was passing, they actually were proposing parental leave um, support on a federal level, and that was that was cut so um, from the bill. And it just kind of shows the. I guess the importance of um, motherhood and kind of the support that you see in this country is really limited. But I would say tech companies, especially marketing agencies also um, are leading the way in putting those systems in place in their company, because regardless of what's happening in the U.S., regardless of um, you know what, what might be passing or not passing in a bill at any given time, the companies do have control over what they offer to their employees and how they support their employees. And so there's so much more conversation around, you know, kind of challenging companies to advocate for their employees and and provide these um, different support systems. So one thing I was actually seeing a lot of online um, in social media was it was hashtag show us your leave. And it was actually something that the cut, is challenging companies with, you know, this is ridiculous that we don't have any kind of policies in place in the U.S. Um, or support for, for our citizens. So, you know, what are you doing about it? You know, private industry, like tell us what you're doing at your company or, or can challenging just even the, the employees to say, this is what my company offers um, for transparency's sake. And then Somebody actually read the readers reached out to them and said, you know, thank you so much for putting this together. There was a whole spreadsheet of, you know, different companies, industries, what they offered or didn't offer. And that person actually put together like a, a, a PowerPoint presentation, went to their company and said, you know, this is why you should be offering a parental leave and what we think is actually fair um, and share that with uh or sorry, it was the skim, not the cut correction, but the skim. And um, they put it on their website. So you can go to their website and see, I think it's like the skim.com forward slash parental leave or shows your leave and um, download that same PowerPoint so that people can go to their companies and, and advocate for themselves. Cause I really think it's, it's now on the individual. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I, I like to um to roll out. There's a quote that one of um, a, a guy that's uh, written for me uh, a number of times in the past. Uh, he he did this quote a few in one of his articles a few years ago, um, which still applies. Where I was trying to put my uh, finger on it at the time, and um, he basically said, "We're uh, in a period of activism not seen since the '60s." Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I do think that's continuing, and it's it's interesting to have it continue within a pandemic because obviously you're kind of fighting for your rights but largely from mm-hmm. home sometimes with many many of us working from home uh yeah you know all of your previously office roles I guess moving on from that slightly I just coming back mm-hmm. to the sort of joy of simplicity stuff um yeah I, I was just wondering with the pandemic you know have you found uh um any joy in the simple things since the p- pandemic began that's a probably a slightly easier question than than uh what's going on in the U.S. with certain legislation and things but um yeah. any simple simple stuff that's kind of um you, you you found that either helps you in life or work or men sort of on a mental health basis yeah um i feel like i've dove in head first into suburban life in the u.s so <laughs> there's a lot of simplicity um and you know things that i was still doing in the city but you're just slowed down a lot um 
like I said, time as a parent, you realize how, how limited your time can be. So um, you really have to focus on doing less, um, less is more. And um, I think that's one thing I've, I've realized too, with the pandemic is um, you, you don't have the, the opportunity to go or we didn't have the opportunity, especially during the, the, the middle of the pandemic to, you know, go to yoga class, go to brunch with your friends, go to, the, you know, go to the farmer's market, everything kind of lights off, like disappeared. And you had to figure out what are the things that, that really brought you joy instead of just doing so many things. It was, what were those, those few things that really brought you joy. And, um, I've gotten really into to gardening with my husband, which I was surprised by, but I think it's also, um, you know, such an important thing right now with just limited food supply and just realizing the limitations that are, we have in our planet and, you know, what you can grow on your own is pretty, pretty amazing. So I actually got really into you know, garden flexing on, on social media and just posting pictures of, you know, when I would actually harvest like our, our green beans and our squash and stuff like that. So there's fun things I think around that and, you know, getting my son involved too. He loves to, to water plants. We have like a special routine now on Friday mornings where we go around and we water the plants and I have a towel and I just clean up after him because it gets water everywhere. But <laughs> It's probably better than me. I'm, I'm not sure what my hit rate is with indoor plants, but I, I definitely did the thing of discovering more of them uh, during the pandemic and sort of trying to keep them alive, you know, some, some better than yeah. others, but yeah, sometimes they just elude me. I'm like, I don't, what do you want? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know. Just shouting at a plant. So that's kind of what, what life's come down to. Um, yeah. There's an app for that. There's a couple okay. apps for that. Actually, well, well, for shouting at plants or for learning yeah. how to. <laughs> and I, just, I, I kind of, I find all this stuff quite interesting of, of, um, discovering kind of simpler things which might sound um hilarious to anyone that doesn't live in a city that lives in the country they're like oh wow you've discovered you know growing some vegetables and plants but mm -hmm. you know many of us around the world have have lived and do live in cities so it's kind yeah. of which then bumps onto the future of cities a little bit um mm -hmm. i find it's kind of what you know what might a city become um if if you know we're not commuting you know um uh, i've seen a few pieces on this where it's like um they, they try and sort of reinvent, uh, you know, what a city could be, you know, more sort of open spaces, more incorporating more, more nature into it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever touched on any of that stuff with your work or, or just in general thoughts, or is this, it's just, these, these are just the weird ramblings and ideas that I have in my brain. No, no. I think a lot of people, especially living outside New York city, um, that that was a big conversation for a couple of years. I've a majority of my friends, um, who lived in the city and I was really close to in pre-pandemic are now all over the country. I have one of my best friends in Virginia, uh, one just moving to Wyoming. And, you know, a lot of us ended up in uh, the kind of Connecticut, Westchester, New Jersey, tri-state area. And, um, you know, I think there's, it, it could be just period of life where a lot of us were like, you know, we are having kids or have kids and we don't want to be in a, a small space if we don't have to be. So that's also a luxury of, you know, being able to leave the cities if you want to. But there was also the period of um, just really cheap rent in New York after or during the pandemic, where I think everybody who had left, then there was this like 
surplus of, of um, inventory and apartments. And now we're seeing the opposite. Rent is spiking again. People are coming back to the city. So I think, you know, the pandemic did show a different way of life. And especially for people who were, were maybe ready for it, but didn't think they were ready for it. And now it's, we're, co- we're going back to the office. You know, some, a lot of companies, you have to be in the office full time. Um, so I think there's people who are going to return, but I think what was sort of the like Peter Pan-ness of, of living in the city for people in their thirties is a little, is a little different now. Yeah. I mean, so what do you do? Do you work from home mostly or are you a bit of both or? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of 50, 50, two to three days in the office and, uh, two to three days at home now it's summertime. So it's definitely three days at home. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess with the future of cities and things, I do wonder if they'll become, I don't know, le- less about, or, or maybe they will still be places to live, but but sort of, I don't know, cultural hubs in a way, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you nearly always need a place where, I don't know, people can come together for big things, you know, sporting yeah. events or music events or whatever, or, or whether they'll start to break the cities up and kind of make more community kind of hubs in sort of smaller towns like just outside cities. Um, yeah. I think London's London's kind of struggling with the same thing a little bit. Um, I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious what it might become, but that might be many years off yet. I don't know. But. Yeah. I think what's interesting now is, um, you know, especially in the media industry, it's in the US, it's been very um, New York and LA focused for talent and for headquarters, obviously. But uh, that's, that's kind of where media and advertising industry has always happened. Um, now, they're recruiting for, for roles and you could be anywhere, um, in the country basically for a role that might be the company's based out of New York or LA. Um, and I, I think that that's a very accommodating thing that companies are doing in the pandemic, but I, I'm a little skeptical of if that's going to stay. I think mm. there's an importance, especially for companies. I can speak for myself where, you know, I prefer being able to have FaceTime with my agency team. Um, to actually brainstorm and get things done. I do think that our field, there's a benefit to in-person time um, that you just don't have as as, as strong um, when you're doing things virtually. So um, I and think that that might be different. Is there sort of a minimum? Like, for example, I don't know, you, you uh, meet the team once a month or something like that. Like, so, you know, mm-hmm. once a month you could come from another state or something you could come from further afield but if you have to meet yeah. people once a week or, or or whatever then that's harder right you need to be maybe at least within a couple of hours commute probably as maximum I would have thought to yeah. go to some kind of office like you say I don't know I don't know what's going to stick whether people are just going to be happy to work remotely I think it depends on the types of jobs right like it like yeah. you say if you, if you need the face-to-face to bring mm-hmm. some ideas and kind of spark energy off of each other or if you're in roles where you're just very much independent and you just maybe need to check on the team every now and again but largely you can just do your job on your own maybe mm-hmm. that could be more remote I, I don't know it's, it's interesting yeah. that it's evolving right I think perhaps for sure I think you're right where it depends on the company it depends on especially if it's a, a brand and agency relationship it depends on the brand's needs so much more because um you could be like you know Spotify was parts of the business, you had to, to change your marketing plans or media plans, um, weekly, you know, when an artist dropped an album. Uh, but I, I have, uh, the benefit in CPG, we're planning things out 
um, you know, six months to a year. And, you know, our, I don't have to meet with my agency as regularly as I, as I did when I was uh, at Spotify. I think I, I like your term though, spark and edgy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's I realize fun. I'd thrown lots of weird terminology every now and again. And it's uh, yeah, people have to adjust <laughs> to it slightly. And I, I don't know where I pick, maybe it's a London thing. It might just be me. Um, the, the weird, the weird ways I say <laughs> things. Um, I realize we're, we're pretty much out of time actually, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I like, I like kind of shooting the breeze on all these sort of ideas from, from time to time. So I guess I, I wondered if we could finish with a final thought perhaps of, um, what can sort of people do to seek out their their sense of self during this time? Um, I know you mentioned sort of plants and gardening, but, you know, I guess that's within the joy of simplicity. But whether it's within business or just, you know, your, your kind of life path in general, is, it, is there anything that you feel you, you might want to offer as advice uh, as a final thought? Yeah, um, I actually heard a really interesting uh, bit of advice from somebody who's a, a leader uh, an executive coach, um, and working with, uh, some of the, the people that her clientele, she always tells them to sort of imagine like an inner compass and your North is always going to be what, what are your values? What is like most important to you? And that changes that can change when your life changes. Like, like for me, like my, my values definitely shifted more towards my family, my son, my, my husband, but you know, you can't forget the, the other things that are important in your life. So, you know, wait, what's important in your life, know that what you do in, in various degrees of, um, who you are, I guess, as a person. So if you're, you know, in a relationship or not in a relationship, if you have children, if you don't have children, um, you still wear a number of different hats. And I think that's, the unanimous thing with, with anybody is you're going to, to have to figure out what's the the most important role in your life and how do those other things kind of play into it and, and always keep a close eye on what's your, what's your North star. North star. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds a a, a wonderful place in which to end. Um, So I just, yeah, I just want to say, Kate, thanks uh, for a wonderful discussion and thank you so much for for coming on the uh, media cat magazine podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me.